Today's episode of Bitter Units is brought to you in part by the American Homebrewers Association. The AHA has a host of benefits for joining, including discounts at over 2,500 beer businesses like breweries, bars, restaurants, and homebrew supply shops in the U.S. and worldwide. You'll also get access to discounts on many brewing publications, award-winning homebrew recipes, and expert advice. Go to bitterunits.com to learn more. This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. Loss of hair is normal for dudes. And uh, at 42 year olds, I've come to, you know, I'm I'm accepting that. And uh, that's a big step in my life. So, um, welcome to the new podcast, Relationship Advice with Aaron. I think I just said .com. But it's actually .com, which all of you should probably know. Um, I'm Aaron L. Wall on Twitter, at Aaron L. Wall. Um, I have been drinking pretty much all afternoon at my neighbor's Yardtoberfest, which has been uh, fresh hop season here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, so forgive me if I slur a little bit or go a little bit off the rails. As usual, though, we are joined by JT Nutt and Tim Johnson. We're super happy to be back. And Tim, we do have a guest. Please tell us how we're going to complete the triangle of United We Drink. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That was an interesting segue. But yes, we are pleased to be joined by Mike Yurevich, who is the... Uh, remaining host of United We Drink that we have not had on. He is also a brewer. He's the marketing guy for Copper Point uh, Brewery in Boynton Beach. Am I? Is that correct, Mike? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he is also just uh, 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 an all-around great guy, and we are happy to have him. So, Mike, welcome. Thank you very much. And uh, I, I can say with certainty that of the three hosts of United We Drink, you certainly saved the last for last. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of, the, of the three hosts, he is one of them. That is fantastic. Yep. I'm, I'm the one who has to record the show, run the show, edit the show, post the show, do all the social media for the show. And if you've ever, well, you have had to edit a show with uh, Joel involved in it. He makes a lot of noise when he's not talking. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. He's fun I mean, to edit. I got to tell you, um, I've gotten a few compliments from friends of mine about Phil being on the show. They thought he was really fun. Uh, first Phil, time anyone's ever said that about Phil. Yeah. Um, obviously, Joe as well. Um, we're really excited to have you. Um, super appreciate you being on with us. I'm like looking said, forward I, to it. 
I've been trying to pace myself today. Like I only had one shift beer. I had <laughs> one beer one with, with dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I was like writing on my chalkboard. Do not get drunk before bitter units. Do not get drunk before bitter units. <laughs> well, see, that kind of defeats the point of bitter units. We're not uh... super serious, Mike. Uh, <laughs> but I, I might say something then uh, terrible that uh, I'd be like, hey, can, can we just let's scrap that I was ever on this. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's not going to happen because we got to use all the stuff we get. Um, but uh, we can edit out if you, you know, say anything too terrible, but I doubt that's going to happen. Based on the week that beer Twitter's had, you never know. Uh, yeah, oh, it, it's Jesus. it's been it's been an interesting week. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Tim Tim <laughs> texted me, and you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> about ten thirty one night, and I had unfortunately landed. I travel for work, so I'd landed at like midnight the night before, and didn't see what he texted me about until the next morning, and I was like. I went back and looked. I'm like, he can't find anything, and shit had gotten deleted, and it was a it was a whole shit show. So, I didn't know what happened the next morning, and I texted Joel, and he said, "Way too long to explain uh, over text." I'm like, "All right." Uh, so my next my next course was to ask worst beer blog. And he and he did, he said the same thing. He's like, I don't have time to explain what happened. I'm like shit. So called Joel later on in the day, and he told me, and I'm just like, God, there's a bunch of shenanigans. At, at least, at least I I still have faith in a lot of the people who I who I've always liked on on beer Twitter. So uh, yeah. those people haven't changed. Well, I got to say, for uh, those of us, or those of you, not those of us, that can see, can't see us, obviously we can see each other, um, but uh, Mike and I have a very similar hairline. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> uh, you and I are brothers I, from another mother in that respect. I, uh, um, I purposely decided not to wear a hat, which I normally do when I'm recording. Uh, and uh, I'm immediately regretting that decision. Tim, Tim, Tim has a little bit too. Yeah, um, where, where, where are you going with this, Aaron? JT, yeah. on the other hand, maybe not. Am as I bad being as roasted? Oh no, <laughs> no, 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 no! I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm the worst of the four of us. No, no, no! Um, you look good on the front. I look terrible on the back. You know, so um, I I got that too. Yeah. Uh, oh, whoa! No, I don't have the back part. It's just the front. So. Um, JT has the back part, but uh, oh, yes, I do. You know, I just want to tell all the ladies listening out there that uh, it doesn't matter, it absolutely 100% doesn't matter. So, if if you're not married, don't hold it against a guy, he's perfectly fine. <laughs> Loss of hair is normal for dudes, and uh, at 42 year olds, I've come to, you know, I'm, just, I'm accepting that, and uh, that's a big step in my life. So, um, welcome to the new podcast relationship advice with Aaron. Yeah, exactly. When Um, Aaron realizes the point, the 5% beer was actually (laughs) 12.5%. I'm I'm the youngest of five boys and I get made fun of all the time for my receding hairline because I'm, I'm the one. Is that the only reason to get made fun of? (laughs) No, 
But okay. that's the one I'm focusing on right now, JT. Okay. And, uh, you know, you got to, it's building blocks, right? You know, a little bit here, a little bit there about what your insecurities are. Balding is one of mine. It's okay. It's fine. It's normal. Accept who you are, people. So Balding anyway. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Yes, uh, that that was that was great, Aaron. Thank you very much for I that. Know it was. Um, uh, uh, Mike, how about you go ahead and tell us a little bit about more about yourself, how you got into the industry, how you got into podcasting, how you uh, just a little bit of everything. Uh, you don't have to describe personal appearance. That's fine. I will hundred percent <laughs> myself from now on. I promise. Uh, if you want to see what I look like, you can just. Google me, I guess, or follow, look at me on social media. But I've I have been gainfully employed in the beer industry for about eight and a half years now. I had my first brewery job in uh, 2012, um, a brewery that both Joel and I worked for. Uh, Joel and I have worked together twice uh, in uh, our careers, and but I, I got into beer. Um, 2007 and started a blog uh, mikelovesbeer.com that was like started off as a beer review blog in 2008 and kind of morphed into now my kind of on again off again way of writing about things in the industry um, and and whatnot Uh, United We Drink, we're in our second incarnation. It was actually something that Phil and I started in, I think, 2009 or 2010. He left the show after a little bit of working with Cigar City. Uh, He just couldn't manage uh, keeping up with it, and Joel joined the show. I've, I've known both those guys since probably about 2008, 2009. And, um... We took a break from the show and started it back up. Um, I, I've lived in Florida. I've lived in Philly. Uh, I, I'm originally from the Philadelphia area. I was born just outside of there. Moved to Florida when I was 14. Moved back back and lived in the city for a year with my now wife um, before we had to move back for family reasons. And uh, yeah, now I find myself currently at Copper Point Brewing in Boy. Uh, I am working predominantly in the brewery, uh, doing a lot of the cellar work, um, packaging. Um, and I recently took over all of our social and I do, uh, our graphic design as well. There's not a whole lot of stuff that I haven't done in the industry. Like my previous places, I have, uh, I've produced wart. I, can package beer. Uh, I currently do our state and fed taxes, something I've done plenty of times before at other places. I do social graphics, bartend. Uh, I've done sales. I don't like doing sales. I don't like making work. Uh, there's things I love and things I don't love about this industry, but I've been one of those jack of all trades types of guys. But what I really enjoy is the creative side of it and like the, the social, the graphic design, the taking pictures and uh, all of that of it. So trying to, 
trying to leverage myself a little more into that way. Uh, also, it's not as hot doing that stuff. <laughs> um, you actually cut out on me a little bit there. So we're, when you were saying where you were at now, it cut at, out. So uh, Copper Point Brewing Company in Boynton Beach, Florida. In Florida. Okay. okay. Boynton yeah. Beach, Florida. Yeah. So, um, so all three of you guys at United Drew Drink are based in Florida at this point. Yeah. Um, fantastic podcast. If you're listening to this and you haven't, checked out united we drink um podcast.com right they have their own website you can also find it on any of those websites uh that host podcast stitcher itunes or or I, apple pod i guess not itunes anymore spotify, but, uh, spotify amazon music yeah wherever all fine guys, podcasts are found yeah it's, it's <laughs> all there um united we drink uh, it's a really good podcast. Um, they're a little bit different than we are. We're a little bit more uh, drunk, bullshit, or drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we certainly were on the last episode. And, uh, uh, was that which is a bit of a throwback? It's yeah. a throwback to what our our show was in our first incarnation was, because we we pretty much just got hammered and talked shit. Yeah. Um, was, the, was the last one you did the one where you went back to all the stuff you that got you into craft yeah. beer? Yeah, yeah. So that hasn't been released yet. No, it, it has. Okay. Uh, that came came out on the eighth. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I haven't caught it yet. Then. So today is the ninth for all of those of you are listening. Um, <laughs> so I haven't I haven't caught the eighth <laughs> podcast yet um, because I was traveling for work. Um, but I had listened to the the previous few um, with uh, those folks. But uh, it's fantastic. If you haven't listened to United Drink, We Drink, check those guys out. Tim, <laughs> fuck off. Um, yes, I know. I've been drinking all day. And those of you who listen to the show regularly probably can uh, tell that I've had a bit too much to drink. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. It's perfectly okay. So, uh, Mike, how did you get into the beer industry? Uh, I I was doing my blog, and um, people like Joel and Phil and I, we, we were getting together and meeting people at uh, beer bars and whatnot. And um, Joel and I got to know uh, a gentleman who was opening up a brewery uh, down here. And, um, we just got talking and got to know him over a number of months of just hanging out. And, uh, when they opened, we, we asked if we could like bartend. Um, I was current, I was at that time working in it. Uh, I was a sysadmin for a web hosting company and uh so i started working there on saturday afternoons in the tasting room just bartending and eventually giving tours and uh after i think it was two two and a half months uh there i was offered a uh full-time position and took that uh took a serious pay cut to do so but it's my it was my passion and uh, <laughs> it was my passion to make less money. 
And uh, so I went and did that. And uh, I was there for five and a half years. I became the operations manager there. I dealt with our wholesalers a lot and uh, uh, managing the brewery and making sure that we were scheduling stuff, brewing the right amounts of beers for purchase orders and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, and then... Then I decided I was burnt out and I sold my house, moved in with my girlfriend and took six months off to travel as much as possible because I was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And, uh, <laughs> but then uh, I, I, I got back into it uh, because I still enjoy this, this industry. It's, it's changed a lot, but uh, for better or for worse, I still love it and uh but yeah that's a long-winded way of how i got into the industry uh how i got into beer listen to uh our re most recent episode and i talk about that with uh while drinking a sam smith oatmeal oh, stout jesus <laughs> what a fucking bunch of shit <laughs> oh hey you're listening to this pod but listen to my pod because it's more important now it uh <laughs> Back in 2007, I was visiting family in PA, and my my cousin, uh, I was hanging out with some family, and my cousin, uh, Steve, was like, hey, uh, you want to come to this bar with uh, some friends of mine, and, and I, and I was like, yeah, sure, and uh, we went to a place called Isaac Newton's in Newtown, PA, and uh, they are uh, known for their beer selection. He handed me a binder uh, and was like, here, find something. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at. So he's like, all right, um, do you like Guinness? I was like, yeah, I've, I've, I've had Guinness. I like that. So he orders me a Samuel Smith oatmeal stout uh, from Bottle. And I was like, wow, this is damn good. This is way better than Guinness. Um, and it was kind of all downhill from there because yeah. I, I went back home and uh, Total Wine opened up in the town that I, I lived in uh, a couple months after that. And then mixed Sixers uh, started becoming a, a regular thing each week for me. Nice. Um, so 2005 or six, probably. I visited Philadelphia. And that was the so first time... Say. What's and that? I mean that with no sarcasm at all. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that was the first time I'd ever been introduced to Yingling. And lager. I was told that if you just order a lager mm -hmm. in Philadelphia, that's what, that's what you're going to get. If you say, give me a lager, you're going to get Yingling. Yep. Um, so Yingling recently, um, what's the word? Expanded or... Whatever, it, yeah, partner with, uh, Molson Coors with yeah. Molson Coors. So that's a. I know that you guys talked about the that on your uh, maybe most recent episode that hasn't released yet, or if I missed one, the one we, before we talked about that. I think either the most if you heard it, then that was probably two episodes ago when we had uh, Jeremy Danner on. I think that was a yeah. That I, I think yeah. that sounds right. So. Um, Talk a little bit about that because Yingling is this a little bit, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, um, 
folklorish maybe yeah. or it's the way that Coors was for a, for a long time when you couldn't get Coors east yeah, of the Mississippi. So, so those of us that are west of the Mississippi, um, hopefully here in the based off of that agreement here in the re, relatively soon are going to be able to try Yingling. Um, so um, if you haven't had it before and you're going to get it now, what does that mean to craft brew in general? And what does it mean for Yingling in, in specific? Look, I, I'm not going to blow any smoke up your ass and tell you that uh, lager is like the, the second coming or, or anything. It's a fine amber lager. Um, I, do I have an emotional attachment to it? A little bit, yeah, because I've been to their original brewery. Uh, I, I've drank a good bit of it in, in my day, but I mean, almost everyone everywhere has access to a pretty decent amber lager. I mean, Sam Adams, Boston lager is up there as well. Um, I, I like some of their other, their, their Porter, I think is fantastic. It's a Baltic Porter. So it's a lagered Porter. Um, I haven't had their locale beer, uh, yet. But um, I'm actually still looking forward to trying the Hershey's beer that apparently is going to be down here very shortly in uh, bottles for the first time. They partnered up with Hershey's and made an official like chocolate beer. Um, but to go back to your actual question, I think that it's just a strategic move to partner up with Molson Coors for uh, distribution and production of their their big beers and get more uh, points of distribution. I think of it at like a contract brewing uh, agreement. Mm -hmm. uh, Coors is just brewing uh, Yingling products and they're a lot, they are in the same distribution houses in a lot of places. So it's just going to help them expand uh, their, their brand. I think. I think Miller Coors too, uh, for their part, they've been making some pretty, smart strategic decisions here recently. Oh yeah. You know, in a very different way than like the, the Anheuser uh, strategy was five years ago, of just go on the, this big spending spree. You know, I think they watched a couple of, of acquisitions not go as planned. Coors is sitting back, just watching that waiting and really trying to find these different strategic uh, pathways towards uh, getting back some of that market share and and, and you know getting in, introduced to new drinkers, reintroduced to people. Uh, I I thought this one was you know I have my own opinions on it, but I thought this was a pretty pretty smart move for for both companies involved. Yeah, and to combine that with the uh, the deal that they struck with Topo Chico to uh, mm -hmm. do this to distribute the seltzers. Uh, that they're working on, and uh, the La Colombe deal for distributing coffee. Um, we talked about that on the most recent episode, and I, th I think that the La Colombe deal is huge for them. And, and I say that as I'm holding a Topo Chico, because um, <laughs> I'm definitely t Team Topo Chico. Uh, and that when they make their hard seltzer, that will be the first seltzer that i will spend money my own money on uh, to try i have tried a number of seltzers none of which my my own hard-earned money has paid for 
but uh, I'll get into that later. Uh, but the La Colombe <laughs> thing, like coffee, coffee is huge and coffee is yeah. always going to be huge. So um, I think that that's uh, that's a really big deal for them to get into N.A. with uh, a pretty decent sized name in La Colombe. They're not Starbucks, but I mean, they have. I think I was saying like 30 retail locations across the U.S. They, they, they were founded in Philly and they have more locations in L.A. than they do in Philly. Hmm. Um, but uh, you can find their, their like canned stuff in a lot of places. I just had one today. Um, but yeah, Cor- like Molson Coors is making some interesting moves and I think a lot of them are pretty good moves. But who the fuck am I? <laughs> well, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see. I think I think just not that the that the industry has not, you know, has, it's always been changing, but it seems like the rate of change um, has accelerated just because of the new landscape that that's out there. Uh, the fact that seltzer made such a huge uh, dent in the beer world and had the impact that that it did i think it's caused a lot of of people both big and small to kind of figure out how to reposition themselves and try to figure out what is next but i think you're seeing a, a lot of people um a lot of breweries that are are seeing a lot more rapid change than i think they they expected to right now and i think you know if you can kind of sit back and look at at what's going on you know, again, learning from the mistakes of just trying to go on buying sprees, uh, and and then diversifying the portfolio, like you said, in the NA space and and in that seltzer space, is uh, just a a really smart idea with how how much has changed and will change in the next year or two. Yeah, uh, I mean we 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 went through AB buying up brewery after brewery after brewery, and some of them were like, huh, them. Like, I think the most recent one I remember was Platform. And I was like, really? Them? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, it just almost seemed like buying for the sake of buying just because, like, they were for sale. I, like, I think that was the whole Golden Road thing, too. Sure. Is, uh, like, they, they were a brewery built to, built to sell. But, yeah, you got to look at what Molson's done and been like, Man, they they just sat back, waited, and picked their spots. Like they they were a defensive fighter who uh, just waited for you to swing wildly. They they were like Anderson Silva, just moved out of the way and counterattack. <laughs> uh, like well, Silva in his heyday, not a yeah. I was gonna say yeah. yeah, yeah. But no, that's that's a that's a good apt comparison. I think. Um. 100%. So aside from from uh, what you kind of see going on nationally, what are you seeing uh, just more regionally or locally uh, in in Florida or the southeast that uh, uh, is kind of surprising to you or, or something that that, uh, you know, just seems like has become a, a big deal that, that you wouldn't have necessarily anticipated a couple of years ago? Um, I mean, F- Florida is 
you never quite know what you're going to get, but also at the same time, you know exactly what you're going to get. Like, <laughs> like you know, Florida's going to be crazy. You know, Florida's going to be weird. And, uh, I mean, Joel did plenty to, to speak on, uh, Florida. And <laughs> like, I think it was Aaron who said, that's why there's so many stories that start with Florida, man. Yep. Uh, like this, this is like one of the homes to the overfruited sour to the pastry stout. Like a lot of that stuff kind of started down here. Um, like uh, 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 Doug, who owns uh, I can't remember his last name off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Uh, who owns Cycle Brewing in uh, uh, St. Pete? Started at Peg's Cantina making the making fruited uh, Berliners and uh, then Funky Buddha started doing them. And then Wakefield came came into town and making them. And now, like, it seems like everyone uh, all over the country is doing them. And then like Cigar City did Hunapu's Imperial Stout, which was like chocolate and cinnamon and vanilla and chili peppers and a lot of people look at that as the first like pastry uh mm -hmm. stout that was like overboard on a lot of those adjunct flavors um and now people are just trying they're like double mashing uh fucking to make these thick viscous 14 percent abv imperial stouts and pumping them full of coconut and coffee and macadamia nuts and all of that stuff. And I, I feel like a lot of that is happening down here in Florida, but at the same time, despite how hypey this place is, and we got tons of haze, haze boy breweries, there are some people doing crazy, cool, traditional stuff. And I, I say crazy when it's the furthest thing from crazy in traditional sense, but crazy, I guess for Florida, uh, like Calusa Brewing over in uh, Sarasota, who do hazies, who do pastry stuff, who do fruited sours, but also do ESBs and milds and table saisons and all of this. They're canning them. They're selling them out. They're doing uh, and, and loggers, like have such a great logger program going on. Um they they seem to defy all logic in that they can do it all and do it all very well. Um, my the brewery I work for, Copper Point, we're a very traditional brewery. Like uh, we we make two lagers year round, uh, and I'm drinking our lager right now. That is an amber lager. Um, we do a pilsner as well, and we do a red IPA and a West Coast IPA as year-round beers like we don't do a hazy year-round and our tap room has always been filled with i was a fan of this brewery before i worked here for a long time i've known our our owner for a good while he's been he's one of the ogs in this industry down here he's been brewing for over like close to 20 years in mm. south florida which is crazy unheard of because we we didn't really have our first brewery in this county like production brewery until 2011 oh wow so the brewery that joel and i worked for we were the second production brewery in all of south florida oh wow uh, and that, I didn't realize that's, that. that's like palm beach county broward and dade counties and that includes fort lauderdale and miami uh as cities mm -hmm. uh, so it was we were called a beer wasteland and 
rightfully so. There was no beer culture down here, but now there's, I don't know how many breweries down in, in South Florida, but South Florida's is weird, but it's, I, I know like it, it's crazy that I feel like I know it like the back of my hand. Uh, like I know so many people and I know what they're kind of doing. People are just trying to stay relevant and trying to keep their names out there. And I mean, that's good business to do so. Like funky Buddha's diversified into the seltzer game now. And I haven't had any, um, but it, it like Phil was talking about cigar city has their line of seltzers coming out. A lot of, of smaller breweries are doing their seltzers to try to stay relevant. Joel, uh, made a seltzer that's going to be coming out soon. Yeah, I saw uh, that. I, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, like, my boss has no intention on wanting to make a seltzer. Um, uh, bless him. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's, I mean, beer. I, I think that South Florida has some crazy stuff, and Florida in general has some crazy stuff going on, but we're all just trying to find our place and, in this industry, just like anywhere else. Um, but it is kind of weird reminiscing and thinking about how certain trends have started here. Sure. Like, sure. We can't say that the, the haze craze started down here, but I mean, I, I'd, I would argue with a lot of people that fruited sours and pastry stouts came from Florida. I, I think that's, that, that's certainly valid. I, I think, uh, Funky Buddha was one of those breweries, uh, that six, seven years ago, a lot of people up here, uh, you know, would brag about going and, and getting stuff from Funky Buddha since we, you know, don't get it up here. And so it was definitely one of those that for, yeah, that was, that was also probably when they were a one barrel brew pub before yeah. they had their, their full on production facility. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so it's one of those things where, you know, I've, I've made fun of fl the Florida beer scene in the past, just because of the times that I have been down there. It's before it, it really exploded. And so, yeah, it was kind of a beer wasteland and the breweries that I was going to didn't really know what they were doing. Um, but the ones that did are still existing. Well, yeah, I suppose, I suppose I, I went to one in, um, in Orlando that had no glycol. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not even kidding. And I really wish I was, uh, some, I've been to Orlando. There's some interesting brew, breweries down there. There's, there's Orlando brewing. That is uh, an old school brewery. Like they've been around for a long time. I went there. And it was they, a really cool spot and their beer was fantastic. They, they make good beer, uh, yeah. over there. Can I talk to you? You touched on one of the beers I don't see a lot anymore, but it's absolutely one of my favorite flavors is the red IPA. Why is that kind of gone away as a type of beer? I don't know. I think, I, well, I say I don't know, and I was about to follow it up by saying people don't like balance anymore. Okay, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I think people are just, there's a lot of people who just like the intensity of something, like, that's why we had the IBU wars for a while. That was like, who can make the, the most bitter IPA possible? Um, the, the hazies have gone away from having bitterness at all to where 
it's just all about fruitiness and and juice and sweetness. Um, I that's probably it, but I I don't know I don't know why we've been able to make a red IPA work. I mean, maybe stubbornness on my boss for like wanting to keep on making it. Like you will drink this, and eventually people were like, "Yeah, we will." No, um, it's still, a red <laughs> IPA is a really good beer. It's also something like if you ever do when you're ever cooking and cooking with beer, it's a really good thing to cook because the color is great and the flavor is perfectly balanced. And but yeah, like I get tired of the everyone being about the hazy IPAs because it's kind of an IPA mimosa in my mind, and you can only do so much juice, but my goodness, like a red IPA that's well done is really, 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 really underrated and delicious. I I absolutely agree. And I like, I like a number of hazies. Uh, my, my only issue that I've t- typically had with them is, uh, is one, the ones that are, are way beyond hazy and start looking gray because they're so turbid. Uh, and then, a lot of them just taste the same. Like yeah. some of the best ones all kind of taste a little bit the same. They're all like pineapple and mango and guava and orange and all of that kind of muddled together. Uh, like I, I live down the street from, from uh, a brewery that makes fantastic hazy IPAs. And it's sometimes like this kind of tastes like that one. But so typically I'll just go for whichever one's the cheaper of, of them, uh, <laughs> what I want, because like, yeah, I, I know what I'm getting, uh, but yeah, uh, I, I like balance. I like, I like nuance. Uh, that's why I love Saison's. It's why I love a lot of the English style beers because they, there's a lot going on with them. And, uh, the, the English stuff is actually something that I've only recently gotten into probably like last two years or so. When I moved to Philly, I was I was amazed by the amount of breweries that were still keeping a lot of English influence in their beers. Like, I, I went to probably four or five different breweries that had dark milds on, and I'm like, this is silly. I don't think I've ever had a dark mild until I moved to Philly, and mm-hmm. a bunch of them have them. And I made Joel brew one when uh, we <laughs> we started working together. He had never had one in his life, and I'm like, we're gonna brew one. And uh, I thought ours turned out pretty damn well too. That's that's awesome. That's we at Badger Hill. We messed around with with a, a dark mild, and I thought it was awesome. It was one of my favorite beers we ever did. Uh, but we just couldn't get our consumers to understand it. No. Um, you know, you talk about English styles. One of our most award winning beers uh, was a, uh, an ESB. Um, and people who who love that beer love that beer, but again, we couldn't get. You know, you had your fans that loved it, but your fans aren't enough. You need to be able to convince new consumers uh, to get that to buy that thing, and we couldn't yeah. do it, and we couldn't sell it very well outside of the four walls of our brewery. So we killed it, and everyone complained, and so uh, we said, "All right, well, if you love it, you need to buy it." And then we brought it back and it just sat and it's like, it, and then we take it away and like, why'd you take it away? I was so happy. It was back. I'm like, well, obviously not happy enough. Your fandom as much as you love it is not enough. It's not enough. Right. And so you can have a, a fan base, you know, uh, 
an inch deep and a mile wide or, or vice versa. Neither of those are really going to be able to, to, to uh, really move the needle unless you can kind of hit that, that broad seller. So I'm, that's awesome that you guys are, are able to do that. I think, uh, you know, I think I mean, we had some, a hard time selling it too, but uh, sure. like, uh, there, I have never worked for a brewery that, uh, an owner wasn't at least once influenced by that less than handful of customers go, you need to make this beer again. Like, like, no, like two people should not dictate our brew schedule. Yeah. Like, if they, if they cannot come in here and pick from 10 to 15, 16, however many taps we have and find something that they enjoy, they're not a real customer of ours. They should go elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, absolutely. I, that used to happen all the time. People, oh, wow, I'm here and everyone keep, is asking about it. Okay, is it really everyone or is it the same three regulars that come in every single week and it mention it all the yeah. time? Is that really going to move the needle? And, and yeah, it's, it's tough because there's there, the industry has a lot of squeaky wheel syndrome, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. Where, and, and so that gets to be... Uh, well, and then combined with it, you know, uh, you know, I, I remember a, uh, a guy who, who runs like a, a, a local, you know, beer share event thing. And he, you know, was a moderator on beer Africa, whatever. And, and he was sitting there saying, look, we can make or break your brewery. And I'm like, no, you fucking can't dude. <laughs> I know you think you can, but you you can't because right now our best sellers are selling to people that have never even heard of you and your group and don't go on beer advocate and don't care about those things uh our best sellers are the the ones that people who don't really know anything about us or anything about beer necessarily they just know what they like and that's what they're going for uh and it but it is it is tough because this is i mean it's it's an industry full of a bunch of I always say tubby bearded know-it-alls who, who <laughs> love their own homebrew and got it. Not incorrect. So, <laughs> so it is definitely, um, it is definitely a, a challenge. I think for, that the industry as a whole has, has gotten over, but you know, it, in that, that happens all the time. You know, like every time a restaurant, a popular or a popular, a, a very well-known restaurant or big-name restaurant closes. Everyone's like, oh, man, I can't believe that's closing. And it's like, when was the last time you went there? Uh, like yeah. six months ago. I'm like, well, then you're part of the that's problem. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> you keep, reputation is nice, but you know what's, what actually pays the rent? Sales. I, yeah. I, I, I can't go to my landlord and be like, hey, people love us. Like, that's, that's not enough. Yeah. Oh, if, yeah, that's if, great. Rent's due tomorrow. Yeah, if Brasserie Dupont were to close down, I I'd blame myself. I'd be like, "Fuck, I didn't buy enough Saison Dupont." Uh, <laughs> like, that's that's I blame myself. I I I don't have room to say like, "Oh, that sucks." I, I liked them so much. Well, the amount of money that I dished out to buying their product says otherwise. Yeah, uh, like I'm I'm guilty of of that stuff. I mean, we're we're all, all hypocrites about something some some point in time, I think. But uh, yeah, if 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 people would just stop listening to 
Bob, Tom, and Bill, those three guys who are the mouthiest regulars, uh, who you love, but they are the ones who are like, you got to bring that back. Like, yeah, they, they shouldn't <laughs> dictate your, your brew schedule. Yeah. The 2% who are really loud should not overwhelm the 98% who aren't as loud. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's it's especially weird because um, I know this happens in other industries, but it really, there is a lot of, uh, oh, you know what you got to do? Like consumers, there, <laughs> some consumers are really you know not shy. Do, yeah. The number of times, you know what you got to do. Or I'll tell you what you guys are doing wrong. Yeah, and it's like, oh, really? Thank you. Just being in, uh, a guy who drinks at a bar regularly does not mean you should suddenly become a consultant for the beverage industry. But but <laughs> uh, we we interviewed for like seller positions people who were home brewers, and they'd be like. I can really help you with recipe development and coming <laughs> like, yeah, that's uh, not, not what this position's for. And uh, don't come into a job and say, I can, I can teach you how to make beer. Like, yeah, we yeah. already have been doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely, um, again, by it's the way, not... what are the odds that Aaron's throwing up right now? Pretty, pretty strong. Zero uh, <laughs> percent. Aaron, are you taking a dump right now? Nope. Okay. Uh, I'm just listening, trying to bide my time. Are you laying down right now? He's trying to find his spot to just uh, attack. I'm laying down right now. But... <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm so bored. And see when to jump in. And make a salient point. So far, I'm over about a thousand. <laughs> I'm surprised you could drop the term "salient" at this point. Yeah, no, th just that was was a pretty coherent thought to have. I'm more professional. <laughs> professional something. Yeah, obviously. Uh, the, on is, it, it is. is this where we get the dead shot barbecue ad? <laughs> <laughs> we're probably gonna go and, and and take a take a uh a break and hear from our sponsor here in a little bit uh but before we do that uh mike i want to ask the question that we ask everyone no i was pre prepared for this one okay yes, so finally someone prepared yeah <laughs> yes. absolutely so you're stranded on a desert island what are the beers you want to have with you I got I got four of them. Okay, perfect. Um, this one's going to be like you're going to say, of course, Tim. Uh, Allagash White. Yeah, well, yeah. No. Uh, Firestone Walker Pivo Pills. Oh, it's a good uh, one to have my Pilsner. Of course, it's a little hoppy too. Uh, for my hoppy beer, I'm going uh, Half Acre Daisy Cutter. Oh, nice. Um, Yes. When I very... when I lived in Philly, there's plenty of Philly made beer that was incredible, but I almost always had uh, either a Tallboy four pack or when they came out with the twelve ounce uh, twelve pack of Daisy Cutter that was in my fridge all the time. It's such a great pale ale. It's this nice like floral citrusy 
easy drinking pale ale. I, I love it to death. Uh, and then the other thing is actually a Philly beer. Um, fermentary form. They're an all uh, mixed culture brewery in the city there. They're formed table, three and a half percent, slightly tart Saison that they <sighs> they make. Um, it's it's incredible. It's it's great for everything, eating, just hanging out on the patio, on the stoop, or whatever, um, in those nice big green 750s. Uh, those four beers I could drink all the time on Desert Island. I like that list. Uh, yeah, Allagash and people were probably a little uh, on the nose, but how can you not? Anyone who yeah. who who doesn't who anyone who's had Allagash White and doesn't consider Allagash White to be uh, one of the top five beers of their lifetime is probably just confused. They're wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's exactly. okay to be wrong. <laughs> Hi, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't like Allagash White. No, oh, I've never had it. Oh, okay. I was where, where, I was almost going to pick that one, but I'm like, that's probably not available to uh, all of them. And I actually, I went to, they did a drop down in Florida for a one-time thing, and they were all out of it at the Total Wine by my place. So uh, I'm glad I didn't pick that, although <laughs> I do still love that beer. Allagash White, is there any way to get that globally at all? They have a very small footprint of distribution now. It's funny. Okay. They, they used to be, a, I, I saw someone do this, I think, last year. Like in 2010, they were in like 30-something states and made X amount of barrels. And now they're in like 15 and okay. make like double the amount of uh, beer that they did then. They just reined it in and decided to just concentrate on where they're the strongest, like New England specifically. And it's done wonders for them. They have the best social media in the game, in my opinion. And uh, they make uh, excellent beer to boot. So um, it sucks that I can't get them on the on the reg, but um, I mean, they're they're doing great as a company. It's it's something that I think a lot of other places can learn from, you know, someone like like Allagash or um trying to think who else has kind of shrunk back their their uh uh their footprint. Um Don't do what Green Flash did. Yeah, right? It, they shrunk back way too much. <laughs> they they grew way too much, then shrunk back to where they went bankrupt and uh yeah. That's a brewery, though, that I loved. Uh, West, their West Coast IPA uh, was, to me, one of the quintessential versions of the style, even mm-hmm. having the name. Uh, then they messed with the recipe. They made it uh, from a like, 6.5% beer to an 8% beer. And I was like, why are you doing that? And Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, when when sales sales start to flag, then sometimes people um, maybe pivot the wrong way. Um, I, I, like I said, I think there's just something to be learned from from. Well, so another one. Um, I remember like New Glarus, right? They had kind of teased getting out out of Wisconsin. They said, "No, we just want to focus on Wisconsin. We want to just do what we're doing uh, really well." And they're still able to be one of the largest. Yeah. Uh, 
craft breweries in the entire country and not leave the state. You know, yeah. it's just one of those things where uh, the kind of the easy way to get new sales is to broaden your footprint. Uh, the smarter thing is to just focus. So, yeah, you one hundred percent agree with you. Is is spotted cow that good, or is spotted cow that good because you can't get it all the time? It's not about spotted cow, JT. They are a really, really, really good mixed fermentation, really good okay. uh, fruited and sour brewery. Uh, spotted cow is their flagship, but the Moon Man why, is incredible beer too. Yeah, but the reason why 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 they get enough respect in the brewing world is because of everything else they do. They brew uh, dozens and dozens of really great beer. Um, yeah, that that sour line, that fruited sour line, uh, the one time I've been to Wisconsin, it was like, all right, let's go find new Glarus bottles. And yeah. it actually wasn't that difficult to find. <laughs> <laughs> it was like like oh here's belgian red here's serendipity here's uh oh what's the other one uh it's like the their three main uh uh sours like they're all fucking incredible that like that that is insane that that brewery is a top 50 brewery and is only in wisconsin yeah. Have you been to Wisconsin? Those guys, that entire state loves their beer. I, I've been to Wisconsin once. Okay. I had an amazing time there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to a friend a friend's wedding, got uh, married in Port Washington. Uh, okay. That I was like, oh, this is where Step by Step's from. <laughs> and, uh, we spent, <laughs> uh, That's a reference. N- nothing on that one, Aaron? Not many people will get that probably. I got that one, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but we spent we spent a night in Milwaukee. Uh, we went to um, uh, what's their face? Uh, why can't I think? Lakefront uh, okay. had a great tour there. Had some beers there. Um, we Lakefront tour is one of the the most enjoyable tours you can ever go on. We had such a. a a straight laced smart ass, uh, tour guide. I loved her. Like she was like, I, she was, she was funny as hell, but kept such a straight face with everything that she said. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it it was a lot of fun. Um, that, that city was just insanely fun. Like we did, we did the old paps, uh, tour, like of the historic, uh, paps brewery, Mm-hmm. Like you can do a little tour there and and drink some beers. We stayed at the uh, Brew House Hotel that is a part of the old uh, Paps Brewery, nice. and they have like the they have uh, um, the kettles still in it, like the facade of the kettle still in there. It's it's one of the craziest looking hotels I've ever been in, and uh, but like. I, I definitely want to go back to Milwaukee sometime because I had so much fun there, but had so little time to uh, to hang out there. Uh, I, I need to eat sausages there and pretzels <laughs> and uh, just have a great time. No, Milwaukee's an amazing town. My family and I went up there several years ago for a Cubs game. We stayed in Brookfield, uh, which is Brookfield. I think it's Brookfield, something like which is yeah. a suburb. Yep. But every bar in Brookfield has a shuttle that takes you to the ball game. And went to this place called uh, Bullwinkles that had mm-hmm. moose uh, and squirrel these... all over. There you go. Exactly. 
but it had these they're called greek wings i'm like what are greek wings and why are they not part of the rest of the menu she's like you've never had greek wings before i'm like no she's like they take a half an hour to get in the worth of you every way and i'm like okay give them to me so we went back there every night and the last night we're like okay we're gonna order three pounds and we'll take the rest of it home we ate all three pounds of it because it was that freaking good but yeah but no milwaukee is an amazing town i that's yeah like wisconsin in general is awesome uh but yeah milwaukee i wish i could go back up there because there's this irish pub that had a bunch of very specific versions of smedics and guinness that you couldn't get anywhere else that were just flat out amazing but yeah sorry went off on the wisconsin tangent but anyway oh uh yeah apparently the greek uh Greek community in Wisconsin or in Milwaukee is, is huge. Like everyone talks about German and Polish, but uh, I've heard that the Greek community there is amazing. It's a cool Uh, town. Yeah. Uh, Next time you're there, go hit up Bernhardt's. It's uh, one of my favorite craft beer bars there. They, they do a really great job. Always have a really neat selection. uh, And it's just a really chill place. It's not downtown. It's, it's, uh, uh, on Logan, I believe. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've spent more than, than my fair share there. I even crashed a quinceanera once, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, in Milwaukee. So yeah, for sure. Uh, well, why don't we go ahead and we'll take a break. Okay. We'll grab a, a word from our sponsor that I barbecue sauce, the best damn barbecue sauce in the known universe. Uh, we'll hear from them. We'll see if we can't revive Aaron and, and make sure that, that he is still uh, coherent enough or we'll just let him sleep. Uh, that works too. Uh, so once again, you are listening to Bitter Units and we will be back after the break. Back when I started Deadeye, I knew I wanted to innovate the barbecue game. Since day one, we've offered a premium barbecue product unlike anything else on the market. Great Aunt Irene had something special tucked away on a recipe card in her cupboard, and there was no way we weren't gonna do something about it. So we decided to take it one step further, introducing Deadeye Superfood Barbecue Sauce. We've got five new flavors, graviola, acerola, pink guava, acai, and dragon fruit. They're the first of its kind, and they're packed with flavor. Find it at your local grocer today or at deadeyebbq.com. And we are back. Once again, this is Bitter Units, which would normally be hosted by Aaron, but uh, um, it seems like we may have lost him uh, for either the moment or the rest of the evening. We'll see how that goes. Uh, he was having a good time, folks. Uh, again, <laughs> we, I am... I am Tim, joined by JT. We are lucky to be joined by Mike Yurevich. Um, and Mike picked the beer for us this week. So actually, Mike, I'm going to go ahead and, and put you to work uh, since you are a distinguished podcaster. Uh, <laughs> if, if you wouldn't mind going ahead and telling us a little bit about what we're going to go ahead and be drinking tonight. Uh, podcaster, yes. Distinguished questionable uh <laughs> we're going with sierra nevada oktoberfest uh i'm gonna be honest i never had this beer before until this year um this beer 
also is a great opportunity for people to find that there is a difference between the two styles of beer that are typically labeled as Oktoberfests. Um, yeah. I think, I think that a lot of people might be used to the Marzen lagers as uh, their Oktoberfests. You're slightly darker, very roasty or biscuity, uh, malty beer, where the Fest beer, uh, which is what this Sierra Nevada one is, is a paler color, a little more, uh, a little different uh, for that. And when I had this, I was like, all right, let's, let's do this beer because... I'm not super well-versed in fest beers because I'm just so used to seeing so many Marzins. I'm like, I might learn something myself here. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's a great call. I was really happy when, when, uh, you suggested it. It is one of those that I, I hadn't had in, in uh, a little while. Um, I don't know, you know, it's one of those, like we talked about earlier, about how sometimes, because there's so many choices out there, you almost get overwhelmed and you, and you neglect some of your uh, your favorite breweries or some of your more classic ones. So I was really happy to, to, to do this. Uh, I When I picked them up yesterday and decided to go ahead and have one in advance of the pod for, you know, research purposes, of course. Precise. Uh, yeah, for science. Uh, then I was like, oh, shoot, I might drink all of these tonight. This is tasting really, really good. So we'll go ahead. I see you guys have already poured. I'm I'm behind, so I'm going to go ahead and do that. We'll do the, kind of the same way that we always do this. Uh, JT, what are you seeing in that appearance? You know what? I bought this a couple days ago on Ancrack and wouldn't open up until tonight, but had you had I just poured this and you not told me what kind of beer this was, I would have guessed a lager or maybe a pale ale because it is very, very clear. Uh, you got plenty of bubbles going on there, but I never would have guessed this was an Oktoberfest because it's not your typical, like you said, Marzen, cloudy, red, dark, whatever beer. Like You wouldn't think this was a Oktoberfest, but just looking at it, it looks really refreshing and looks very much something you could get year-round. I wouldn't consider it with just being a seasonal beer and an inter- interesting story real quick is that our local Oktoberfest, which it did not happen this year um a, a few years back changed their primary beer sponsor to hofbrau and the when we went there and ordered an Oktoberfest and got it in my stein i was surprised by it being a pale color because i was just so used to marzen uh color and then later realized like oh they have a marzen as well and i went and did some research after that day because who's doing research when they're drinking at an oktoberfest and to find out like oh like oktoberfest fest beers are very different from marzen lagers like i mean they're both lagers but uh i was i was did not know about that until that day or that weekend and that was, you don't see the, the fest beer very often. And I had always heard that this is, this Sierra Nevada is one of those. So finally decided to pull the trigger on it this year. And yeah, a, a, like a golden, maybe slightly copper color mm-hmm. to it. Yep. Um, 
there the the nose is biscuity but floral like the like very noble hop uh yeah like there's a hoppy presence but that noble floral maybe hint of citrus to it but tons of like uh biscuit uh going on there yeah really good actually i can smell this one very (laughs) barely <laughs> no, I, I I really like that. I think I, I don't have anything to add. Floral and and biscuit are the two things I get prominent. So I I think that's kind of a perfect way. So um, let's go ahead and drink this thing. And what are we getting out of the flavor? It's it's surprisingly hoppy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. you get all of that biscuit. You get some just nice uh, generic malt tones, but there's an earthy bite to it, especially on the back end, and some bitterness lingers around on your your tongue. But it's super bubbly and uh, effervescent to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, this 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 is like this is way easier to drink than a Marzen, and and if you're you're going to be doing session drinking at an Oktoberfest. This is, I think, is a way better option for me personally than a Marzen. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with that. Marzen's for me are very, very hit or miss. This is very smooth and easy drinking. Once again, like, this doesn't need to be a seasonal beer. It's there's so much going on here that's good. It's if you told me you just gave me this, I would never. Ever guess this was an Oktoberfest beer, but if I went to like a German, like say the Hessen House here in Des Moines, and they had this on tap, I would drink it all the time because I'm like, yeah, this is a really good, just solid beer. Doesn't overwhelm me with flavor at all, but it's good. It's solid. It's a lot of different flavor points, and it's just easy drinking, like you said, session beer. Like you could sit back and have a couple of these, and it'd be great. Um, yeah, I mean, you'd have to be a little careful because it is it is six percent. So it's a little, a l- I just little strong read that for a myself. session. <laughs> um, but it is definitely so I like the the uh, that biscuit like to me it very much feels like um, warm, fe- fresh baked bread with like maybe um, just a, a kiss of honey. I can see what you mean there. Yeah. Um, right. Like, like there's just a, a yeah, little yeah. bit of a, of a sweetness there, but it's not like, you know, overwhelming. It, it definitely has, like you said, it, it has uh, a more, um, it's not really an assertive bitterness, but it definitely has a, a, a stronger bitter component than I, I would have uh, expected just by looking yeah. at it and the way it smelled. Uh, but you get that floral, you get a little bit of kind of a slightly fruity type of thing. But then, yeah, you really just kind of get that, that um, to me, like I said, baked bread. And then it finishes uh, crisp. So it has a little bit that lingers on your tongue, but it doesn't, it doesn't come off uh, in any way. Like it's, it's, you know, sweetness sitting on your tongue. It's more just the, that, that hot bitterness that lingers. Yeah. Um, and so it still stays um uh you know nice and refreshing as well yeah uh like you said about the six percent 
ABV. This is my last bottle of the six pack, and I did not look at the ABV until just now. And this <laughs> this will like six percent. It's it's not low. It's not high. So that might that. That can typically be a scary territory uh, right. that the, those can really get you uh, quickly because you think that it's eh, it's not it's not above seven, but it's also not four. So, right. yeah, especially when you're drinking this because you're drinking this in, in well, you're drinking all, 32 ounces at a time, uh, like a right. liter. Yeah, yeah. Right. You're And uh, you're drinking it in a, you know, a celebratory atmosphere which always means you drink a little bit more yeah uh, it's your nice pressure from your friends it's nice and refreshing so sometimes man those things just go down a little bit faster uh and then yeah you get that six percent that that could that could get to be uh a little dangerous but i man i like i said when when i opened that one yesterday and then i realized oh shoot i'm gonna go and open another one and i was like oh shoot i'm gonna go ahead and open another one i'm like oh i I gotta stop i gotta save some for the pod but um yeah i it i I agree i I appreciate that you wanted to do something that wasn't just uh the typical meritson you do see them i I, there have been a couple breweries up here that have done fest beers rather than meritson's around oktoberfest but you know every Every brewer's is suddenly German when it comes to Oktoberfest. Yes. <laughs> Wait, are they? Are they Irish during March too? Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. Um, it, I don't know if you've ever been. And they're I, they're Mexican in the early parts of May. Yeah, exactly. Which isn't Mexican Independence Day, but anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's um. Uh, it's nice to have something that is a, a little bit more uh, easy drinking. It, it it reminded me of sitting, you know, JT, you mentioned Hessen house, uh, yeah. uh, sitting there drinking uh, a 32 ounce beer and eating some pretzels um, and, and having this beer just kind of has that, that feeling to it as well. So um, yeah, I, I, I think it's uh You're not going to go wrong with Sierra Nevada. It's kind of hard no, for me to, to, to sit here and, and, and <laughs> you know, try to dissect this of, of you know. The How long have they thing? been making this? I don't know. Yeah, honestly. I was going to say, Sierra Nevada, Once we when we did our early podcast, I rediscovered how good the regular pale ale is, especially in cans. Thanks, Tim. Like, mm-hmm. honestly, Sierra Nevada across the board is just so freaking good. Oh, yeah. I bought uh, I bought a twelve pack of pale cans uh, a few weeks ago, and it was probably the first time that I did in a while. Uh, and I'm like, dude, like this is just like the showcase of Cascade hops. Like this just yeah. shows how great that hop really still is, and people just sleep on that because it's not one of the sexy hops. It's you used to have all the sea hops were the the sexy hops, the like Cascade and Columbus and Centennial and Chinook, and now I mean, yeah, Citra is a sea hop, but oh, it's a different Centennial uh, hops. I don't see that much anymore. That was all the rage for a while. That's a good point. No. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I've said before, like, you want to know what Cascade is, you go drink Sierra Nevada. You want to know what Centennial is, you go drink Bell's Two Hearted. Like, yep. there are there are some beers and breweries uh, 
and some of these these legacy beers and legacy hops. I say legacy when they're you know, I use 20, that term too, old. and I hate to use it at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I, it almost sounds yeah. underhanded, and I yeah. don't want it to be no, underhanded. It, no, it's just it's just these these. These are the, the the beers and the styles and the breweries that got us all kind of into it, and they're, and they're maybe not uh, always uh, being seen as the hip new thing, since this is such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of, of industry. Yeah. Um, but it's it's classic. Uh, and, you know, this... This kind of falls, you know, it's not about Cascade Hops, but it it, it falls right in, into that that same kind of just classic feel, classic kind of toasty German lager type of feeling um, that is just unbelievably clean, unbelievably well-balanced. Um, yeah, like I said, it, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and discuss, you know, some little nuance of a beer that there's no way I could ever make it as good. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, what they've been doing, did they just have their 40th anniversary? Was it, uh, so. that they, that they just put out like a special release for, I, I mean, so many of us owe gratitude to Sierra Nevada that there's probably people who wouldn't even admit to that, uh, sort of statement. But, I mean, I, I, I've had a number of things from Sierra Nevada recently. Like, I maybe a couple weeks ago had a little wild thing mm-hmm. uh, that I've been meaning to try for a while. And it's nice little slightly tart ale. A little hazy thing is a damn good hazy IPA for something that you can find. I can find in my local grocery store. Um but yeah, I mean the pale and torpedo yep. uh, are are still amazing beers. Um, I didn't get a chance to have Summerfest this year. I didn't. I actually didn't see it. Uh, but I probably also didn't look very well. Uh, but this is this is really good, and I'll probably buy another six pack of this soon. Uh, I I was just thinking that I I have a uh, a socially distanced. Uh, birthday fire pit thing I'm going to tomorrow, and I'm like, oh, I should pick up another six pack of this to bring to sit around because it, it, to me it's you know a fire pit sounds like a good setting for a beer like this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I think it'll be good, and then you know I'm excited for Sierra Nevada celebration that'll be coming out before we know it. Yes, uh, then that it that is a beer that every single year. I get, and I look forward to it. It's like kind of counting down uh, when it's available. Uh, I was I was actually working with Joel uh, last year when he was in Asheville, and they uh, they had released bottles of it for that you could buy to take away, but they didn't have it on draft yet at the uh, Sierra Nevada Brewery up in Asheville. And I'm like, oh, so that means I should look out for it soon. Uh, but that that's a beer. Do you know the whole thing about that? There are people who think that that beer used to have coriander in it. Yes, yes, I heard that. It used to be a spiced beer. Uh, I, when I first got into beer, there was a guy who ran a local beer group 
a pretentious prick. Uh, um, <laughs> he he would say he's like celebration's such a good beer, but it used to be a better beer when they had coriander in it. And I was like, okay, I've, I haven't had celebration yet. And then a couple of find out years later, I'm like, it never did have coriander in it. Like this fucking asshole. There's so well. That's the other thing that uh, drives me insane. That happens to a lot of. It's telephone. Yeah. Well, it's, it's so, it, and it happens a lot to those brands that I referred to previously as as legacy, is uh, where people say it's not as good as it used to be. And mm-hmm. I, you know, and I have I have a few things. One is you really think that like. I bet you couldn't accurately describe the fish sandwich you had last week. You really think <laughs> that that you have such uh, a clear memory of what something used to taste like that that you know that you're doing a fair comparison. Uh, your palate shifts over time and get, gets worse as you get older. That's just a fact. You're losing your sense of smell. You're losing your sense of taste. Um, so, yeah, as you get, you know – if something doesn't taste like it did 20 years ago, it's because you can't taste as well as you could 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, right? And this is a natural product with natural ingredients. There's flavor shift in everything. There's flavor shift year to year in, in hops. There's flavor off- shift in you. Yeah. Right? Your, yeah. your flavors and, and, and taste changes over time. And... Like I know, I know. I mean, that's how people get into IPAs is they their flavors shift into liking IPAs. Uh, so no, that's kind of how I started in beer. Had an old roommate who was a big IPA guy and never really got into beers, but he always drank IPA to the point like I drank it enough that my palate developed enough that I could tell the difference. But at first, I'm like, this is terrible. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Well, and we'll we'll. Uh... We'll pick on him since he's not here. Uh, but JT, you and I have noticed that with with Aaron, uh, the number of of pics that he posts for us of of what he's drinking. You you said something earlier about being feeling like a proud papa because he's he's actually starting to expand it. But it's because he's he lives in the the Pacific Northwest and he's finally getting into all of these great. Uh, IPAs that are around him and available to him. Not only IPAs, but double IPAs and like really, really, really hoppy, hoppy, hoppy beers. And, you know, and him getting into, uh, you know, doing the fresh hop uh, yeah. thing with, with his, his friends today. Uh, he even he even messed around and helped his, his neighbor homebrew uh, the other weekend. Uh which which was pretty funny. I was all of a sudden getting text messages with pictures of does this look right? I don't. We don't, <laughs> think, we don't think this is right. I'm like, no, it's fine. <laughs> don't, don't worry. Uh, um, don't worry about the appearance. Just let yeah, it happen. But, but uh, yeah. Um, uh, apparently, Aaron actually really loves these beers now. Uh, maybe a little too much this evening. So <laughs> that's okay. But, He's going to keep on saying that he's not a big fan of it just to keep up with appearances. Oh, absolutely. Well, he's also yep. going to say that he doesn't get sick from drinking, but, uh, you know, that's neither oh, here yeah, nor he there. He did say that on an episode, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll see what his hangover cure is. 
Yeah, uh, exactly. I, we, I think next was time that we, the Phil episode? Yes, that was the Phil episode. Yeah. Uh, the next one, uh, which is Thaw to me. Oh, a, so, a nice bowl of broth and noodles and meat. That's that's my my cure. No, I think I think that is a good call. Now that I think about it, um. I learned that with Phil in Key West for uh, one of our friends' bachelor parties. I was in. Yeah, that's a good place over. for the bachelor party, by the way. Yeah, and that's also a really good place to be hungover as hell. Yes. <laughs> and Phil took us to a fall place, and I immediately felt better after that. I'm like, this is this is my new hangover cure. No, I well, I get it because it's got you know. It kind of reminds you of you're sick and your mom gives you chicken noodle soup type of thing. It's got a similar type of vibe and that you've got, got that, plenty that of salt broth, in it. Right. You got that brothiness. You got the salt to get all your electrolytes kind of back so that your your muscles actually uh, don't want to leap right out of your body. And, and uh, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think I think the more I think about it, that's that's a good call. Um, just. Just give me a little bit of. Uh... You're welcome. Yeah, no, I, I I like it. I like that. Well, well, there you go. Uh, this actually uh, does remind me. I have a couple of points of beef with Phil from his episode. Yes, I wanted I wanted to to ask you this um, because, uh, I, you know, I did not ask Phil a whole lot for his appraisal of Joel, but he was going to give it anyway. But now that you have heard both of of your your cohorts as guests on here, I want to hear your takes. This is, this is where being last actually uh, works out great. Um, <laughs> I, Joel, Joel, I only heard one thing wrong that he said uh, when he mentioned the Saison that we brewed together. He said that we dry hopped it. We did not dry hop it. We actually were intending on dry hopping it, but really liked the beer as is. Uh, in the fermenter, so we decided not to dry hop it. Um, for Phil, when you guys were drinking the Saison DuPont, and I don't remember who it was that said, hey, we're, we're Midwest boys, like, this smells like a barnyard, like, smells like a... Uh, uh, like Throwing hay, that. yeah, I think is what... Uh, and Aaron's Phil, like. like, agreed by saying, like, Oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Phil grew up in Tampa and has spent most of his life now in South Florida. What barnyard farm does he uh, agree with? He'll come up with some excuse for his wording here, I'm sure. But his agreement on that sounded way too much like bullshit to me. Well, uh, he's well, he's a sales guy, so that's what he he has to do, this right? Is, this is he true. Ha, he has to relate. Sales talk. <laughs> uh, then when he was trying to tell Aaron, uh, like, oh, you about seltzers, you like Lacroix, you like this, you like that. Oh, then you'd love seltzers. No, because <laughs> I love regular seltzer water, like flavored seltzer. I like Lacroix. I like. Topo Chico, Bubbly, Aha, whatever, all of those. I, if it, as long as it's a good flavor, I like it. Hard seltzers, nothing like that. 
Hard seltzers are sweet. They are messy. They are not effervescent to me. That's that's the thing about regular seltzer. They're bubbly as hell, so, like effervescent, and they're not sweet. That's and that's so, why I haven't been able to get into any hard seltzers because they're too sweet and they're not bubbly. I, I and will the aftertaste I, is terrible. Yeah, I, I will tell you, um I I struggled I struggle with a lot of people's uh, hard seltzers because of the carbonation thing. You're absolutely right. And and even having made them, we struggled. You know, there's no there's no proteins holding anything in. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, and the alcohol just makes it even easier for for that that shit to escape. And so it just doesn't it doesn't it's not the same thing. <laughs> uh, and it. Uh, but yeah, I've had some of them where I'm like, this is supposed to be seltzer. This is this is basically this is supposed to be refreshing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I think there are some that that I've had where I wouldn't know. I wouldn't say that they're they're overly sweet. But I think um, I went on a on a rant a while ago on Twitter. Gat. Wait, wait, what? L- you went on a rant? Yeah. On Twitter? <laughs> like the like unheard the, of. Yeah, he called me. He called me a wet blanket about it. But I said that. Seltzers are the inevitable uh, uh, conclusion of overly fruited beers because you have no idea what's going on in that base beer when there's so much freaking fruit in there. So really all you like is boozy fruit juice. Yeah. Uh, let's be honest. All of these things that you're drinking are, you know, we mentioned it before. They're more puree than they are beer. <laughs> um... And so you just want to drink fruit juice and get drunk while you're doing it. Uh, um, and it seems like seltzer is kind of the hard seltzers have kind of been kind of the inevitable conclusion of that. And so a lot of them are overly flavored and a lot of those flavors are just uh, bad. Yes. But, but I do, but I do think there are some that are doing it well. I mean, I think truly in the truly lemonade that, that Joel likes, I uh, can just die in a fire. That stuff is way too sweet. <laughs> it, it, what is, what is a good seltzer beer then? Because I tried all the Bud Light ones and eh. I, I, I is he asking you, Tim? Because I have not found one, one that I like. Okay. Uh, the Joel's Truly Lemonades. I I was really surprised at how tasted like lemonade but again not refreshing to me way too sweet uh like okay whatever he he, we had a little like bachelor party for me a number of months ago where we went to a friend's house and he brought uh, a case of that for or a 12 pack of it for uh the first night and i was like oh like dude like I guess I can kind of see why people like it, but just, oh, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. JT, I guess I can't. I mean, I'm I'm not big into them myself. The ones that I've enjoyed have been sent from some smaller uh, craft places that are trying to do it differently. So they're intentionally okay. not making it like every other seltzer. Right. I mean. There definitely seems like there's a race to the middle 
<laughs> on on seltzer between you know truly and and uh bone and vive and and uh and white claw and, and a lot of these things where you know it to me it's a lot like the criticism that i have and that you had earlier mike about uh hazy ipas is that they all start to just kind of taste the same after a while there's a lot of sameness within the category yeah uh, but you know i've i've seen you know some smaller places doing things with like hibiscus and and uh, wormwood and and you know some more interesting type of of flavors that wormwood in a hazy no no I mean seltzers oh and so, oh even weirder uh, uh, or maybe not weirder but that's still weird yeah but the idea is they're trying to introduce new flavors they're not just trying to make mixed berry they're not trying to make flavors that remind you of Kool Aid flavors. Or Robitussin. Okay. Or Robitussin, yeah. I, um, I, a number of the ones I've tried are, are just like very cough syrupy to me. And that, that uh, the, the syrup goes along with the, the mouthfeel to it. That I'm like, why does this not tingle? Like, why is it syrupy to me? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I... I'm going to keep on trying them. If someone hands me a can, I'm I'm not a dick. I'm not going to be like, nah, I'm good, man. Uh, if someone wants to hand me a free beverage, but uh, I, I still haven't found one that I really like. I'm going to try the Topo Chico ones, and I'm almost afraid to because I if I don't like it, then I feel like I'm going to take that out on their main brand of water. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to hate on, uh, their, their main brands, but what, what, what about when, uh, when Phil hands you, uh, since he, he sort of let the cat out of the bag about, uh, cigar city, uh, when he hands you one of those, and I'll try them. Uh, one thing I like about what his brand is doing, and I don't know if I'm letting the cat out of the bag here, but they're going single flavors on theirs. There, so many of these brands seem to be all about mixing flavors and having multiple different fruits or flavoring thing agents in them. Uh, I think they're doing grapefruit, key lime, and maybe orange, all like Florida type of things, but all singular fruit flavors. I'll try them. Um, But like I've had some, uh, like I had the Wild Basin, uh, one of his brands, like mix packs and the lime one out of it, the single flavored lime one was the easiest one for me to drink. Uh, there was there's one in it that I I it was a sip and I'm like nope don't, I, I can't I th- do it. I think uh, I think one of the the struggles where you're not seeing more uh, single flavor out there, frankly, is um, all of the flavorings are terrible. Yeah. Uh, we messed around with probably six different suppliers and still landed on kind of each core seltzers still had you know maybe at least two different suppliers of of flavoring of the same in. same because, fruit. Be, yeah. because they don't taste good and so you have to just kind of blend the shit out of them to kind of get it to be uh, a palatable flavor because it's like the straight 
raspberry is terrible and the straight mango is, is terrible. But if you like put a little bit of the raspberry in with the lime and a hint of the black cherry, oh, well, then that actually kind of tastes good. Yeah. But you can't call them all fruit punch because that's, you know, silly and redundant. And so, uh, that's so a I good think, point. All, yeah, I think a lot of that just comes out of the necessity of mixing flavor. I always thought that the the mixing was all about just trying to come up with something unique for your own brand that you can be like, oh, this, because if it takes off, then you're like, oh, well, our our flagship of our seltzers is is mango hibiscus lemon uh, or whatever. But you make a great point that uh, a lot of these flavorings can be pretty bad by themselves and you got to cut them with something else. And yeah. uh, that might be the only way of truly getting something <laughs> drinkable. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I, at some point, we'll do uh, we'll do a, uh, a a seltzer on the pod. Aaron's never had one. Um, I'm again. I'm not a, a huge fan, but like, I'm like you. If I'm I'm handed one, part of part of why I I got so sick of them earlier was just going through the R and D process. Uh, on seltzer and flavoring, and then you're just sitting there uh, doing benchtop testing uh, for like all morning, uh-huh. and and you're just yeah, sick doing of it. that in the morning. Just uh, yeah, it's, so. yeah, it's terrible. And so uh, it just kind of turned me off to them at all in general. And then you know, occasionally helping out. You know, I've I've gone back to Badger Hill. I helped out. A, it was there on a canning day once, and you know, I I had one or two. Um after with that and it's like okay you know I, I i can see how this is this is refreshing um but you know it still just kind of had a, a negative connotation for me but i don't know we'll we'll, we'll do one they're not going away you know I, no. I a year ago i would have still tried to make the argument that they were like flavored malt beverages you know, like Smirnoff Ice and Mike's Hard Lemonade, and they would eventually go away. But they've de- definitely demonstrated that's not the case. No, they have the holding power for sure. Right, right, and so and so, you know, I can certainly uh, embrace that to some part, but that's not necessarily going to be. You know, I was talking to uh, the original owner uh, of Badger Hill, and he's like, you know, he he's since kind of sold and and. and and gotten out of the industry and he's like you know i didn't really get into this to, to industry to to make seltzers and i'm like yeah I, I i get that and if that's not what you're into then uh <laughs> you know i don't blame you um but i don't blame it, anyone yeah like, I, if 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 you make a brewery and you're like, you rest on your laurels that like, I'm not going to make this. That's, that's cool. And also people who are like, I've, I made a brewery, but you know what? I see this and it's a way to make some money. I don't fault those people either. Well, yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, you have I don't to... agree. Yeah. I don't like this, but it's, yeah, it keeps my doors open to do the things I really enjoy. So I think a Clint, Clint Eastwood, he does the, big budget movies that make a ton of money. And then after that, he makes the movies he really wants to do. Don't make any money, but get all the awards. Yeah. Sorry. No, I, no, I, I, I'm processing that analogy. I've, I've talked a lot about, uh, beer and Michael King. Cause Michael, and of course, JT had to be the smart ass and say that he actually liked jaws three. 
Uh, he's the one person in the world who. No, I said it like Jaws of Revenge. Yeah, that's the third one. No, no, no. There's Jaws one, Jaws three, which is Jaws three D, and then Jaws of Revenge. Which which one's in the Caribbean? That's Jaws the Revenge. Okay. Where With the Michael shark, like, Caine, it actually and, follows yeah. him and is like, I am going to get revenge. Yeah, okay. like he kills some guy in us like in Alaska and then yeah. No, Michael Caine is in that and yeah. Then oh god. You know <clears throat> look at Bill Bill Murray's career is he made Seltzer for the first uh first bit of his career and now he's making all of uh he's making Saisons and English beers. There you go. Uh, yeah, except for <laughs> then he still throws in uh, a movie like Garfield. Garfield. <laughs> yeah, but he, he instantly makes up for it with Zombieland. The cameo so, in that yeah. was yeah. So it, yeah, but anyway, yeah, it's like some of those where it's like you know I I, I get it. Uh, at the same time. I'm sure Michael King could also pay the rent by doing a porno, and I'm sure people would buy it by pay money to see that, but he's not doing that. He's still got a certain line that he's going to stick with, and I think, you know, I I I could appreciate that some people don't feel like they have to do anything that's going to make money. You can still kind of live within some certain brand parameters and give yourself guardrails and and give yourself flexibility, um, but. The justification of this would make money to me is not just enough justification for something to to, to get made. Um, but I digress. <laughs> um, well, shoot, uh, Mike, is there is there anything else kind of you want to uh, talk a- about? Any other shout outs you want to talk about? I, I your state for better or for worse has kind of gotten back into the swing of things so you guys might have I, events I think, that you can talk about or <laughs> i think we're the only state that's pretty much completely reopened at this point in time it is a little scary um luckily the at least the county that uh i live in palm beach county still has a mask mandate for uh stuff so um that's that's nice and our brewery like we we have opened back up our like our tap room's been open for a little while now. We had to use weird legal ways to open back up initially because we, uh, if you had food, because we all know now that f- food prevents coronavirus. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> um, but uh, they, so we we got back open by having a food truck uh, add us onto their license so that allowed us to open back up uh, for on-premise consumption we are now legally allowed to be open at 100 percent capacity we're not exactly 100 percent capacity we've put back out um most of our tables are all open um i mean we can't space out booths but our tables are still spaced out pretty well and we haven't put out all of our bar stools um for at bar seating it's pretty much like two seats, six feet, two seats, six feet. Um, and we plan on doing that for a while and um, trying to use as much of our outdoor spacing as that we as we can. Um, it's it's crazy that we have a, a, a state that's so willing to just open like it, it's a double edged sword because I I want my the business that I work for to be successful, but I also want everyone to be responsible and our state uh, 
uh, government doesn't seem to be very responsible, but some of the counties are trying to take things into their own hands. And I'm appreciative of that. And I'm appreciative for Palm Beach County and keeping the mask mandate going. Um, as for anything else, uh, I'll just, I guess, quick give my, my little plugs. Uh, uh, if you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike loves beer and, uh, I, I tend lately to use Instagram a bit more, especially the stories, uh, because Twitter can be a cesspool and <laughs> I don't like to participate in that. And I'd rather make art and fun stuff for people to look at on Instagram. Uh, but, uh, then our, sh uh, the brewery I work for copper point brewing, um, some of our social naming doesn't really work match up so just look up copper point brewing and uh we're on there i'm handling all that stuff so if you want to say hi say hi um and then the show united we drink uh united we drink.com our twitter handle is at united we drink and then our instagram handle is at united we drink pod because someone took the at united we drink handle on instagram so fuck them <laughs> uh, what the hell we we put out a show every two weeks on all of the all of the fine uh, podcast services. Uh, we like to talk about like just things about the industry, maybe give people an inside look at things. We've been having guests on the show uh, and just, I don't know, take a different perspective to the craft beer podcast uh, than what we used to when we, we used to just get drunk and talk shit. Like I was saying before. <laughs> Who does that? Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, there's a fine line there, JT. Uh, oh, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> I hope he's okay. Oh, I do too. Yeah, he might be, have a rough day fine. tomorrow, but he has yeah, well, it's Saturday, yeah. so it doesn't matter. So yeah, I, you know, the last time he was up super late, I sent him a text message thinking that he would get it when he woke up and he responded right away. And I was like, how the hell are you awake already? Um, I think he might've also done his, what he said is his hangover prevention trick is, is the throwing up right before bed. So I think he might've done that that night too. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> not a bad idea. So, um, yeah, but, uh, well, shoot. Uh, Mike, this is good. I'm really glad uh, that you came on. Uh, I'm glad that we saved you for for last, so that you could uh, tell We're us. We're gonna save the best for last. Oh, oh man. Uh, I'm sorry you had to hear that. Uh, <laughs> both to our listeners and to you, Mike. That that. Uh, but no, it's good. It's, <laughs> it's it's good that we could let uh, Phil go, and then you could uh, be the bullshit. Everyone detective. should let Phil go. <laughs> oh fantastic awesome uh jt did you have anything that you wanted to add no no this has been a lot of fun and thanks for coming on oh uh, thank you so much guys absolutely well you can go ahead and find us um at jt the nut uh Aaron at Aaron L wall at Tim Johnson MN. You can find us at bitter units all on Twitter as well as at uh, bitterunits.com. Yep. There is a whole bunch of zero content on there, but you can find links to 
our our sponsors. You can you can find links to the podcasts uh, where you can listen to them, as well as to the Tailgate Society. Uh, so please make sure that you are also uh, hopping on, subscribing, liking, downloading all the Tailgate Society podcasts, Forks and Corks, Culture Check, Matinee Baseball. Matinee Baseball had a really interesting one. Um, uh, this past week about the, the, the eight men out, the, the black Sox, uh, that whole scandal, um, that one was uh, pretty interesting. Uh, we're not that drunk, uh, exists. Drunk dialing was, was on after, uh, uh, an Iowa state win last week. So we yeah. had a, a a whole host of, of podcasts at the Tailgate Society, as well as some really great content, some really interesting writing going on. Uh, Haley Moon has been uh, featuring the the women of Tailgate Society and, and telling kind of each one of them, telling their story. Uh, there have been a, a couple of really great articles lately about, you know, how you can, you can be um, an active ally in in uh social change uh some really great content as, as well as just some some uh fun uh silly content a lot of stuff uh breaking down some some stats and scores and all of that as well so a lot of content there um also deadeye barbecue sauce check them out deadeyebarbecuesauce.com once again this has been bitter units we will see you next time